We are supported by RangeMe. As a startup brand owner, you're already wearing many hats. Product developer, packaging designer, logistics expert, and customer service representative, just to name a few. And if that wasn't enough, you still need to get your products in front of the right retail buyers. That's where RangeMe comes in. RangeMe empowers retail buyers to quickly and easily discover innovative products like yours, providing brands with unparalleled visibility to these influential buyers 24-7, 365, while you're hard at work on all of your other tasks, even while you sleep. And the best part? RangeMe is integrated into the eCRM product offering, which complements RangeMe's broad digital reach with highly curated face-to-face -face meetings. Together, they offer unmatched engagement opportunities for startup brands. Join RangeMe today and watch your products take center stage. It's free to set up a basic profile, and we have a special premium subscription offer for startup CPG members that includes three eCRM face-to-face meetings with important buyers. Visit rangeme.com backslash startup CPG to learn more. We have dealt with everything from selling on a story to building your data to selling innovation that you haven't even made yet, right? Like that's a no brainer and managing trade and, and spend and forecasting and all that stuff. So we try to provide outside of just helping you get a meeting with a retailer or build a new item in the KE portal. We try to bring all of what we've gathered to the table. And I think that's what makes us different. Welcome Startup CPG listeners. On today's podcast, we have Aaron Barnholt of Cultivate CPG, a brokerage that specializes in working with early stage brands. I'm really excited for you to hear Aaron's tips on launching a brand into retail. And we had an awesome discussion on specific tips for getting into anchor retailers that you may consider applying to in the early stages of your brand. Aaron has a great background working across distributors, brands, and now as a broker. I know you'll find his insights extremely useful and practical practical. Enjoy. All right. Welcome, Startup CPG listeners. So today we're joined by Aaron Barnholt, who's president at Cultivate CPG. Aaron's got a really cool background, including lots of major U.S. retailers. His expertise is super remarkable. He has spent five years as VP of sales at companies, scaling startups from local gems to national success stories. So join us. We're going to hear a lot of insights from Aaron about accelerating growth and bringing your founder dreams to life in the world of CPG. Welcome, Aaron. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Daniel, for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's jump right in. Aaron, do you mind just giving people a little bit more background on your career journey and you know, kind of what led you to cultivate CPG? Yeah. So I started in the grocery business really in probably 2010. I worked at KE Distributors through college and shortly thereafter, after college, I should say, worked in various roles there, everything from Amazon specialist, so building items in Amazon, selling them out of KE warehouses, to assistant to category managers. So I helped set up items, I helped roadmaps, I managed the knew at Kehi program. I'm sure a lot of folks are familiar with. Ultimately, I landed at account manager at Albertson Safeway. So I was kind of a, an account manager, and then I jumped from there over to the brand side. So I went and worked at Yai. What does account manager mean? Yeah. What does an account manager at Kehi do? Yeah. So you're a human speed bag for the retailer, and you deal with thousands of brands that want to get their products into that retailer. No, but really, it's you're in the retailer's office. So you're their resource because you manage all of their natural and specialty products, all the supply chain side and the logistics, and then even like in store, right? Some accounts have KE and UNFI reps that write orders, they fill orders, and they're the point person. So you're you're a large, essentially a DSD, you know, distributor. Oh, yeah. Just going to ask, in my experience, there's some category managers who are more hands-off, but then there are some that are really hands-on and the buyer's almost use them to screen brands and take recommendations from them. Absolutely. Yeah. So like a Whole Foods, you would barely see any UNFI account management stuff. They're essentially a supply chain team, sort of similar at Sprouts. On the flip side, if you go to a place like Wegmans or you go to a place like Meyer, 
the K and the UNFI teams, they're almost the broker, right? They're the gatekeepers for assortment decisions. And no matter if you're Cultivate or you're representing yourself or you're a Costa, you're going most of the time through the account teams if you are a natural specialty product. So it varies for sure. I, being an ex-distributor account manager, I like account managers. They have a really hard job. They deal with the whole vendor community. They deal with all the brokers and they also deal with all the retailers. So it's a tough job. I definitely think I learned a lot there and I'm grateful for that experience for sure. That's that's cool. I always tell people, yeah, treat those distributor reps as if they're buyers. Yeah. Do all of your marketing yeah. to them. Follow up with them. They can hook you up big time totally. if they believe in your brand and you know, stop them at the trade shows and try to figure out which accounts they cover. Especially, I mean, you, yeah. you mentioned Safeway Albertson. I think there especially we had a lot of help from them and they were the ones presenting our items in a lot of cases. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Super helpful. Cool. Yeah. So, yeah. So then you went to, then what was after Kehi? Yeah, so I went to Yai's Thai, which is a Thai condiment company. It's nationally distributed and founders came into the Safeway office one day in Denver and we kind of hit it off. Anyway, they asked me to come run sales and I was looking for something new and it was a good opportunity to jump in ground level. Right. And I ran sales for them four or five years. How did that experience from Kehi help you just jump right into the sales world? What was that transition like? Because I do see a lot of people yeah. who are former buyers or for yep. distributor reps then turn on to the brand side. I mean, you're. I was light years ahead of the game knowing 200 Kehi reps, to your point, like utilizing the distributor reps. It definitely helped me accelerate the growth of that brand. It helped that A, I had really cool founders that I worked for, and B, we had a super cool product that there wasn't a lot of innovation within the Asian set, right? Center store at that time. So it was kind of perfect timing. And we got into essentially every national natural retailer, all the independents and started chipping away at conventional as well. And yeah, so it was it was a super fun experience. Got to fly all over the country. This was pre-COVID. So it was fly to anywhere for a 30 minute meeting. And then you get back on a plane, you go home and you fly out, you know, the next day or the next week. So awesome times, learned a lot, met a ton of people. You learn what retailers are worth your time and energy and which ones aren't, right? Pretty quick. So definitely impacts cultivate and, you know, what we strive to do with our brand partners. Yeah, I just remembering you talk about traveling like pre-COVID. I actually went to an ECRM event earlier this year as part of our partnership with RangeMe and actually just sitting down and having a meeting with a buyer I'd never met before was mind blowing. Like, oh my God, I, like when was the last time I did right. this? This is incredible. So do you like, which do you like better? The old world where, you know, you have to travel there, but you it's kind of special and you might get some cool time with them and they're probably more likely to bring you on if you're actually yeah. making the, uh, the pilgrimage versus the new world where you can get all of this stuff done from the nice little home office I see you have there. Yeah, hybrid. I'd go hybrid. So it's nice not traveling every single meeting. I like obviously going to the shows and then the occasional meeting with retailers when they're open to meeting in person. You know, a lot of a lot of retailers are coming back, but it's slow. And I think, yeah, a mix of both. Big important meetings with retailers you've never had FaceTime with, I think is super important. But if we don't have to sit on the plane every single week, it's going to save a lot of time and energy for everyone, including retailers, vendors, brokers, the whole nine. So I like a hybrid yeah. kind of mix and taking advantage of when we're at Expo, when we're at the KE and Unify shows, I think it is uh, what we do, right? I mean, make the most of your time when you are traveling. So yeah, I my kind of rule of thumb is, if they ask you to come for the in-person meeting, go to the in-person meeting. If it's a big enough retailer, then they're asking you for a reason and you yeah. should be able to make the most of it. All, all cool. Yeah. All right. So Aaron, tell me about Cultivate CPG. How did it get started? Who were the early brands that you were working with? Yeah. Tell me about the early days. Totally. So I met Tommy along the way when I was at Kehi. Tommy Williams, Tom Williams, he started multiple brands, but he had a frozen vegetable line called Tommy Superfood. And we kind of stayed in touch when I was at Kehi. He was a younger guy and we just kind of clicked. And anyway, fast forward, when we started this company, we both, we were just catching up and we said, hey, there's a need for active brokers for very early stage brands. And we kind of hooked up and started a little side hustle, frankly. And it, very quickly, it was like, wow, there is a massive need. 
for broker representation or, you know, a sales outfit, whatever you want to call it, a service that helps brands scale their product and get it onto shelves. And so, yeah, I think our first brand was Ouroboros Sparkling Water. So I met Paul through mutual friends. They were like, hey, Aaron is in the grocery industry. You should probably talk to this guy. And we'd meet up in Denver at like coffee shops. And I'd blow his mind talking about a UPC, a DC, a promo plan, all these things that he's like, what are you talking about? You know, he'd write it all down. And so, yeah, we helped. And that was our earliest days, his earliest days, right? I was managing, uh, I was going up and overseeing production at the Coman. I was the whole nine, you know, and I don't want to take any credit away from Paul, right? I mean, he is a, a rocket ship, but yeah, we helped them for his probably first 12 to 18 months in retail space. And yeah, from there, you know, we've worked with tons of fun brands, but we've had to grow our company with these young brands. So at first, for the first six months, it was just Tom and I, and kind of hard to convince young brands to hire a two-person brokerage. You know, we've scaled up and we've added key players to the team that are really, really strong in their regions. And we sort of have a, we are a national brokerage, right? And we are focused on key retailers in each region. So that's kind of our playbook. And what would you say, what's your strong suit? Like, what are you, what are you great at? What stuff that, you, I mean, I, you know, I think it makes all the sense in the world for you to have a growing brand. Everybody listening to yeah. us can relate to that. But, you know, what are you already great at? What's the stuff that you want to get better at in the yeah, future? For sure. Love zero to 60 buildup. That's who we want to work with is the young brands, because that is where we shine. That is where we're good. We have to sell has no data story. So we're we're selling the founder's, you know, mission and his product, his or her product, and that's where we shine. You know, and obviously I'll say great at the distributor stuff. My background at KE, we have another gentleman on our team who comes from KE. We have a guy who came from the UNFI Wegmans team. So he's deadly with with the distributor stuff. And uh, whether you like it or not, that's part of the game. We're very experienced calling on all anchor accounts across the country. And knowing which ones are actually going to be impactful for your business, right? Because when you're a young founder, you have a cool product, you say yes to everyone, and usually you find out, okay, maybe there are some retailers that I should probably wait till I'm in year two, three, four. And so we try to help navigate. So yeah, the playbook has been built growing our own brands in the past, right? Tommy is a founder, me as a VP of sales. Awesome. Okay. So let's play it through then. If I Let's say I'm a new brand that's reaching out to you for some help. And maybe I've, you know, I'm not brand new, but maybe I've spent the last year getting some nice little distribution yep. natural channel, like some one-offs, maybe close to unlocking some de- some distribution centers. What is like, you know, what are you going to tell me like, hey, if, you know, working with us, here's what we're going to tell you that we're, here's what we're going to try to go after together. Like, what are your early priorities going to be for a brand like that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's really... We get downloaded on everything that's ever happened, right, with our brands, because we want to know what's what. We want to know what combos they've had. And then essentially, it's we're going to stick to anchor accounts that are premium. And how we categorize that is obviously the natural folks. That's a given. That's our backyard. I don't really believe in a geography backyard. I believe in the natural channel being your backyard. So we're going to help you speed up sales in that channel. And we're also going to start having combos with this, what I call super regionals. So that's going to be Rayleigh's, that's going to be Wegmans, that's going to be HEB, that's going to be Meyer, right? So it's, it's retailers that are conventional, but they sell a lot of natural product. They have that consumer that is looking for better for you product, maybe a little less price sensitive. And that's where my team is focused day in, day out, right? And I think we also will help build the roadmap promotionally for a brand, right? Like, let's get, if you have the money for it, let's build a smart and effective roadmap with KE, with UNFI. And that sets us up to then build out all of our retail promotional planning, right? So that's kind of the the gist, I'd say. Okay, so you do the deep dive, figure out who they've already talked to, maybe who they already pissed off or who they have some good momentum with at this point, figure out what you're working with when you get started and then you do your thing and start reaching out. And so how does it work? Is it like, so you have, you know, your team and they're connected in with the different retailers are, do they usually kind of already have the relationship warm 
with a lot of different categories or, you know, are they trying to build then relationships with new category buyers and some retailers? Like how are they, if you start working with a brand, how do they get that brand on the buyer's radar? Yeah, for sure. I think it's a mix of, of everything, right? Just as I said, and you mentioned distributor reps sometimes are very hands-on with assortment decisions. Sometimes they're not. I think the same goes for retailers, right? And we call on all of the retailers that these brands want to be in. Some of these retailers we have standing bi-weekly meetings with. Some of them we do lunch with. Some of them we have happy hours with. Some of them may be new to the desk and we're going to simply just follow the process, right? I think having the kind of the secret handshake at these retailers, you know, I would say is more of the old boy mentality and there's nothing wrong with that, right? Like relationships are great, but most importantly, you have to know the game. What makes these retailers tick? What do they want to see as far as a promotional program go and then specifically drill down to each buyer what makes that person tick right like i can say you know hey we've sold to this guy at so and so retailer a bunch we know exactly what he's going to be looking for here and here's probably his his or her feedback right so yeah it's a mix of relationship but also knowing the game at these key retailers right and, and to your point bring in the k or the unfi person they're important right invite them to dinner when you're at expo along with their retailer you know care of them yeah that yeah really interesting i remember when i was running a beverage brand some learnings we would get from our broker like hey this particular buyer actually gets paid on this particular sampling program so we recommend that you definitely throw a lot of that into your proposal which I'm not taking a position on whether or not it should be that way, but it did help us get into the account. So that was a really nice learning. You're going to have to pay it up somewhere. So you might as well do it where it counts. Yeah. I mean, what? Oh, and I guess maybe on that topic also of, you know, I'm seeing a lot of brands get more active in just straight up asking the buyer, like, hey, what do you want to see on this proposal? Sure. What is your approach to brands actually doing submissions with buyers? You know, how much of it are you basing off other submissions that you guys have done with them or just general market knowledge versus, you know, trying to discuss it with the buyer? All in this context of we don't all have unlimited money and especially not right. anymore and tougher right. fundraising, push towards profitability. Yeah. You know, what are you yeah. seeing around those submissions and negotiations? Do you know how much inventory you have? What about open sales orders or when the next supply shipment is coming in? Sin7's inventory management software will give you a real-time picture of everything you make and sell across systems, channels, and marketplaces. Ranked as the number one inventory management software by Forbes, U.S. News, and this community, Sin7 helps small CPG companies grow quickly and efficiently through intelligence, automation, and connection. With over 700 integrations to accounting tools like QuickBooks, Shopping carts like Shopify and marketplaces like Amazon, you'll have all the scale with zero complexity. Try out Sin7 Core inventory management software for yourself with a 14-day free trial. Visit sin7.com slash startup CPG to learn more and start your free trial today. That's C-I-N, the number seven, dot com backslash startup CPG or check out the link in the show notes. Some retailers are going to want to be a part of the conversation, right? And they're going to give you good feedback on how to plan your promotions, right? I had a meeting not too long ago with a gal at Thrive Market, Kelly Bond, and she was really helpful on how to build the marketing program for 2024. She was like, hey, here's the things I would do. They move the needle, put your time and energy there. And that's going to make your dollar go the furthest. And ultimately, it's going to sell the most product through the virtual store there, right? So there's instances where that happens. And then some retailers, they're way too busy and they don't have time to babysit. So they lean on us to put together promo planners that work, that we've seen and and know work. And as far as negotiation goes, I mean, be generic in my feedback. I think obviously if you're women-owned, BIPOC-owned, whatever, any of that stuff, like always bring it to the table. I don't think it guarantees you a pass, but Certainly, it should be looked at and it should be considered. But what I've seen, you know, in the negotiation process typically is, well, hey, we can't actually waive the slotting fee, but maybe they throw you a free 
ten or twenty thousand dollar ad, or maybe they give you off shelf on your first TPR that you do, or open the door for extra marketing outside of just your typical paid TPR at the shelf. So it might not be, hey, everything's free, but it could be, hey, it's not free, but we're willing to throw in this and the other, right? And that's how we're. And where does that freebie stuff actually happen? Is that, do you see it? Because you're on a call with a buyer and you're like asking them, hey, you know, can you help me out? They're like, yeah, I could do this. Or is it over email negotiations? Like what are the right words to ask to unlock some of those opportunities that only the buyer probably knows about? Yeah, I mean, honestly, the way phrase it is, are you guys willing to partner with us on X, Y, and Z? And here's why. Hey, can you partner with us on a off shelf and or a 50% off ad. And that would be really helpful because we're a small company, right? We only have so much funds. And the other thing too, that has always been the saying is we prefer to put the funds into selling the product off the shelf. So we want to put it into ads and TPRs, right? And most retailers understand that and they're willing to partner on some level. The only you know downside, flip side to that is there's unlimited brands out there that are willing to spend cash. So you just have to take that into consideration in your final stages of negotiation with these big key retailers is they have they have 10 other brands begging to get in there, right? Yeah, so it's, it's a balance. Speaking of taking cash, what do you tell brands about Albertson Safeway, which is kind of a notorious high slotting, often lower velocity, high price point on shelf? kind of account with also a huge risk of being delisted if your product doesn't perform. What's your stance on that for your brands? All decisions are made at the national level, right? They have the new kind of NCD, the national category director roles, and they come from all the different divisions and they're the smartest of the best of the best. And so they are the one-stop shop decision makers where four or five years ago, you went to 14 different divisions and you sold 14 different category managers, right? So What I would say is when you ask for a meeting, when you submit your new item form, if you're a young brand with not a lot of distribution, especially not a lot of distribution in the conventional channel, you are angling towards maybe it's your backyard, right? If you're in SoCal, you should probably ask for Vaughn's Pavilions and maybe the Albertson stores. But more than anything, it's, hey, we'd love to be in your specialty division. So that's going to be King's Balducci's. That's going to be United Supermarket, Market Street. That's going to be Hagen. And then you might get Pavilion's. So that's kind of where I start. Focus small. They know that those stores are less price sensitive and they're more driven with with natural and specialty products. So start small. You're going to have to probably pay a slotting fee depending on what category you're going into. But yeah, don't go into 1,600 doors and pay two cases per skew per store. (laughs) You're done. (laughs) Yeah, that's a rough one. Yeah, I like what you're saying about some of the specialty stores. I've also heard some people getting in maybe one of those chains or like in through the Nosh buy, then like the natural organics buyer, yep. or maybe leveraging one of the diversity claims, which you know sure. I think really amazing to see, you know, how much the industry is opening up to try to level the playing field and you know open up really cool opportunities for diverse founders, BIPOC founders, female founders. Absolutely. To see that. And then trying to use that when you go and negotiate with the broader ones of like, oh, no, but I only paid one case slotting at this other place. You know, can't we do that? So I've seen some success that way. It's just so hard because a place like Albertson Safeway, the potential for volume is absolutely enormous, obviously, them being, I think, the number three retailer in the country. But I also personally have talked to some buyers at those chains who have said to me very flatly like, yeah, we like the product. Listen, it's just about who pays the most. Right. Ah, is this world... (laughs) damn cpg (laughs) totally yeah so very helpful insights and then so oh and also just a shout out of that you gave for kelly bond from thrive market i love that team kelly was on our startup cpg yacht party sponsored by li libations and li vibrations last week and just being really accessible to brands and just i found that whole team to be so helpful and straightforward and authentically passionate about the industry Um, so really great interactions with them so Given everything you know, now let's put you in the driver's seat of a brand. So let's say you launch Aaron's Cookies or Aaron's Sweet Beverage Company next week. What's your strategy going to be? Let's say, you know, you've got, you know, a million in funding lined up and you think you can get more, you know, if you show really good success. What's your game plan going to be for how you're going to go out into market from a sales perspective? Who are you going after and when and what, you know, what are some key things you're going to focus on? 
I'm going after all of the key anchor accounts in, in the country. And that's going to be that's going to be Central Market, that's going to be Fresh Time, that's going to be Gelson's, Harmons, all of these accounts, some of which I've already spoke to. I'm going to those because I know Sprouts and Whole Foods are not coming on tomorrow. They're not coming on in the first three months, right? It's no secret. Everyone wants to be in those two retailers. I'll throw Thrive in there too, right? They can do some serious volume. If you wait around all day for just them, going to get to where you want to be. And this is a volume game, right? You need to be in as many doors as you can, meaningful, impactful doors. So our approach and our philosophy, and I guess mine is go wide, but stay focused on the right retailers that bring a good ROI. You know, and I could, I could literally rattle off all the anchors that we love working with if you want. But yeah, it, it's focus on anchors that open DCs that get you closer to a building data for the big guys right down the road that have to see that data. And B, they open up doors to say, start working with infra, start working with NCG, right? Like have a meaningful independent business because you've unlocked all these warehouses. So that would be my goal. I If I had a product that was super unique and retailers were just constantly saying yes, I would try to be as focused as I can and say no to retailers that I think are more of a year two, year year three retail rollout. Okay. Right? Yeah. And then what about, I mean, totally agree with you. Those are just incredible opportunities. Those are high velocity accounts that anchor you into DCs, just some of the best buyers out there, like uh, so many people love Laura from Central Market. You know, still for me is one of the only buyers I know who will run up to you at a show like, I would love to carry your product. How can we make that happen? Which is just such a refreshing thing. So yeah. definitely good shout out for her. Yeah. But ha- so I think, you know, someone like her, I think she and Central Market like to go really mm-hmm. early with brands and Absolutely. try to, you know, be the first to present them to their shoppers. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's not always going to be true. Like, you know, maybe, you know, Fresh Time, Thrive, like yeah. you're going to have to show them something, right? So what is Aaron's Cookies or Aaron's Sweet Beverage Company going to do to convince those really awesome anchors mm-hmm. to, in fact, anchor you? Like, are you going to try to show them some momentum or some yeah. online data or, you know, with this new company that we're yeah. pretending that you're starting here? What do you feel like you're going to have to have a good shot? I mean, th- we say this all the time, but we don't sell on data, sell on your story. And why are you different, right? Like if, if I'm Aaron's sweet beverage company and I'm the ninth guy that month to roll out, a, let's say a functional bev, there isn't going to be a whole lot of differentiation unless you put it into the can, you put it into the branding, you put it into the mission, right? So your product and as you as a founder, right, and, and who you work with have to be different, right? Because we're not going to convince Thrive or let's say, you know, Fresh Time to take the product if they don't see any qualities that are different than what they already have on the shelf or the other five guys that are pounding them email. So you just have to be sure. It's really interesting to hear from you. I think I'm learning from something from you here from a sales standpoint, because I think, you know, with Central Market and maybe Air One, you know, I my experience was, okay, they will take a look at brand new brands yep. and they like that. But the other ones, I always felt like you, know, you need some momentum to show them, like you need some kind of data slides, yep. even if you're just cobbling together a couple individual wins that you got or yep. just some kind of data. But it sounds like what you're saying is actually you can sell to those buyers based on story and product differentiation alone. So it sounds like you've seen some good success there. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, indeed, you're selling the story because even if you do get a central market and an one, your data story Still, like when you look at the macro picture, there's no data story still, right? I mean, there's ways to prop it up and make it look great, right? You can say, hey, I'm the number two pasta sauce in the section at this store. And someone like a Sprouts might say, great, that's awesome. But they also might say, well, that's nine stores in Los Angeles. That's not 406 stores across the whole bottom of the country. So... (laughs) You really need the bigger retailers to start building data that shows up in Spins or Nielsen. So it's chicken and the egg. But taking the snapshots from key retailers that you are in in the earliest days is important. But also selling on your story and getting those huge wins is important, right? Like you need the breaks from the key retailers and you need to capture as much as you possibly can at those early stage retailers. Great. Fantastic. Okay. So, you know, when I was starting out my brand... 
I did not know anything about the broker landscape. Yep. I had worked at brands that had used brokers before, but you know, I didn't necessarily even understand what they did exactly. I certainly didn't know the names of a lot of them and didn't know the differences and who was good at what. So can you tell me a little bit about if you're an early brand and discovering landscape, like how should you be thinking about it? How should you be trying to find the right broker? And, you know, of course, I'd be really interested to know how do you differentiate cultivate CPG versus legacy brokers that are out there? Sure. I think two different early stage routes. It's it's one, you've built the company to a place where you're bursting at the seams, right? And you need help desperately. So that's one way. The other is you're completely clueless or you're completely clueless as far as how to sell into a retailer. Founders are very smart. They just haven't figured out the retail game whatsoever. So they need some guy to bring them to market, so to speak, right? So it's either, yeah, you're not going to learn it or you don't have it under your belt yet, or it's I'm bursting at the seams and I can't keep up with growing my business, right? Most founders are going to be the ops managers, right? So you're doing ops and then you're also raising capital, right? And then you're trying to be kind of the directional face of the brand, so to speak. So to be also doing all of the sales across the country is insane at some point. So you have to go out and find something. So I'll say... Cultivate does is maybe dissimilar from most brokers out there. We love the early stage. We want to work with brands who have a clean, empty canvas. I don't want to go work with a brand that's already been out there and shot their shot five times with the Wegmans buyer before they come and hire us, right? Like I want to work with them in the beginning and I want to help them build their strategy, right? And what's also different to an extent is like me and Tom's background is he's a founder of multiple brands and I am obviously a Kehi guy, but I also have been in the on the startup side, right? As the VP of sales for a young brand and scaled nationally. So we have dealt with everything from selling on a story to building your data to selling innovation that you haven't even made yet, right? Like that's a no brainer and managing trade and, and spend and forecasting and all that stuff. So we try to provide value outside of just helping you get a meeting with a retailer or build a new item in the KE portal. We try to bring all of what we've gathered to the table. And I think that's what makes us different. And what's it, let's say a brand wanted to work with you. What's the ideal stage then that they're at when they work to you? Like, a, you know, if they launch from scratch, as soon as they yep. have sales samples or you think it's good for them to try to do a little bit of stuff on their own and test and learn a little bit or, you know, what do you think is ideal? Yeah, I mean, it's got to have some capital in the bank. I'm not free. Our team isn't, you know, we don't work for free. And retail is definitely not free, right? I'm going to be the cheapest thing they encounter, but got to have capital. Samples is definitely part of the game. So yeah, I mean, I would say like runway on your brand and, you know, some fuel in the tank there. Really, you know, do you have sales assets? Are you ready to go? Have you thought about this? That's part of what we do with young brands when we first start kind of courting is we we talk through all of that, right? Are you ready for X, Y, and Z? Because this is what it's going to take, right? <laughs> so that that is yeah. definitely part of the chat. Yeah. And what are those rates like? Is it, are you guys flat fee? Do you do commission? Is it yep. both? How does that work? I'm sure everybody listening would like to know. Yeah, totally. So it's 7,500 a month percent, right? So that sounds maybe expensive, but it's also not expensive compared to some of the options out there, right? You can really blow your brains out. There's a lot of good options out there, though, no doubt. I think the way to think about it as a young brand is, it, you know, you can go hire a director of sales or a VP of sales. They're going to be in that price range or more, and then they're going to go hire a broker, right? And, and I'm all half of the brands we work with have a director of sales, right? So I'm all for having a dedicated salesperson at your brand. But it, you think of us as you know, we're sort of your national sales team in the early days, right? And we also do all the boring, you know, broker administrative stuff. So you said 7,500 or 5% yep. sales, whichever is greater. So early days, 7,500. And then once you get to the volume where that's less, then you'll be paying the 5%. And then, yeah. so it sounds like you're okay then working with brands at the early stage when they even if they don't have a sales lead and you'll just basically be that sales lead for them, helping them on strategy and obviously going out and pitching to retailers. We love that. That's where we thrive. So that can be a cost saving for brands to maybe delay that sales hire as well, just to lean on you guys a lot. And then, so what is 
what's the best way that you've seen brands work with you guys? So me working with a broker, Mm -hmm. I was able to help a lot on the sales process because I was really active on LinkedIn and I was reaching out to brokers or to buyers there. And I was meeting buyers at trade shows and doing a lot of direct follow-up. I think sometimes it is pretty special for them to hear directly from you at the brand. And then you can use that to include the broker into, into the conversation. So the brands that you work with, who does it best? What do they do to just help the overall process and contribute to, a, you know, I would say, a really effective sales cycle? Yeah, I would say folks who trust us to work hard for them, but then come into the meeting ready to give the brand pitch, right? That's going to be super important that they're ready for those pitches. I think Brands who get the opportunity to pitch a lot are going to be the best at pitching. They're going to be the best at closing. Folks that want to get in the weeds and really are engaged, ultimately, they find the most success, right? Because I mean, I want to sell all of my brands to every retailer that's incredible. But having that true brand champion founder pushing, you know, right alongside of us, that moves the needle. That goes a long way for sure. So, an engaged founder definitely moves the needle. All right. So uh, I'm sure a lot of people would love some specific account tips if there are a couple that we could jump into. Yeah. So, you know, if we talk like, you know, Wegmans, a couple others, what would you say to somebody applying to Wegmans for the first time? For example, let's say they're doing it without the help of a broker. They're reaching out to the buyer, like any specific tips for them in their proposal or how they approach them? Yeah, absolutely. Wegmans is a fun one. It's a tough nut to crack, I think. You're not going to get anywhere without working with UNFI or any of the smaller distributors that are there. There are a couple other options, local DSD folks that will get your products there. But get in touch with the UNFI folks, set up meetings directly with them, get them excited about your brand because they can walk down the hallway to the CM's desk and drop samples and drop your pitch deck and say, hey, if you want to meet with Daniel at Daniel Sweet Bev, like, They're the ones that are going to get you in that door, I think. Yeah, so that's that. I think you're definitely doing an EDLP at Wegmans, right? They just want an everyday low price. That's kind of the name of their game. And then, you know, what are you doing outside of the doors of Wegmans to drive traffic and brand awareness? That's another hot button, I guess I would call out. Like, do you have a big D2C business? What does the footprint look like in upstate New York, right? How many folks know your brand? So for sure, that makes sense. That definitely jives with my experience that I had with them. I think when I reached out to the buyer, they sent me to the UNFI rep. So I think that's a really good example of when just going right to that, the account manager can give you a big boost. Yeah, cool. And then so, okay, how about Sprouts, for example, like how do you typically approach that with a brand or how should brands think about it? Yeah, Sprouts is an incredible retailer, right? Like, Everyone wants to be in there. You're constantly warring for time with those category managers. I think what they've done with the innovation table there, the innovation program that they're putting innovation, new brands, products onto, I think it's cool. Not all brands would say that, right? That have been on there. They've, it's kind of been mixed feedback, but always items in the portal. Out to the category manager responsible for your product. Start a dialogue, ask for a meeting, do the whole thing, right? Keep them in the loop. But also make sure you're submitting in the portal to the innovation category, right? They have a dedicated team at Sprouts that is focused on items that are going in there and reach out to them, give them the pitch, try to get FaceTime, send tons of samples. Like I was in the Sprouts office last week and I will tell you all of the people that work at Sprouts are trying your samples. When I worked at Albertsons, it was the same deal. Folks would send samples and guess what? In the break room, they're picking up a bag of your popcorn or they're grabbing your drink or they're eating their your bar, right? Like the people in the Sprouts office are trying your product and ultimately forming a decision, right? As a group, like, hey, is this something we like, need, et cetera? But yeah, I mean, you got to hit it from all angles, right? Hit the innovation, hit the CM and continue to keep them posted, right? And push. Yeah. I mean, obviously seeing tons of brands get their chance on that innovation set, which is a huge purchase order. Yeah. Which, you know, can be, that's terrifying, but, you know, also a really big opportunity. I know they're testing a lot of brands out there before Uh thinking about them for the shelf. And is that, so their portal, is that something anybody can log on to for the submissions? Yep. It's public. 
you can jump in there and, and just upload your products, images, you know, kind of your price list, so to speak, and tell your story briefly. And it, it goes in and, and the Sprouts team looks at it and they'll give you feedback. They'll give you acceptance or denial. If they give you a denial, they'll kind of give you a why. So, and they always encourage you, hey, for the next go around, if they give you a no, it's come back the next time. So another retailer, Whole Foods, who relies a lot on their portal, right? Like if you reach out to a category manager there, a lot of the time they're just going to say, great, here's the link to the portal and you can see all the reset timing there and submit your product for consideration. What do you tell brands about Whole Foods? Like how can you get beyond that kind of a response and try to build a relationship? Running a brand, I always felt like if I don't know the buyer and I've never talked to them, there's no way we're getting a yes from them. So I would kind of go crazy trying to find some way to build a little bit of a relationship. What do you tell brands specific to Whole Foods? I think Whole Foods is a retailer that care about product quality. They care about innovation. They care about people. They care about founders. They do want to see innovation. They want to see new products that don't just kind of eat away at what they already have on the shelf. So if you're willing to Obviously, assuming we're talking about young brands, like if you're willing to offer an exclusive or create some exclusive flavors or products to show to Whole Foods, that sometimes will spark up some interest. If you're willing to go the extra mile, so to speak, on maybe getting the regen, regenerative cert on your package or any anything of that nature, right, that really moves the needle from a certificate quality standards bar like that is something that gets them out of bed, right? Like, yeah. So, uh, Brett. Yeah. This is fun, man. Let's keep running down the list. This is good yeah. info. Well, um, all right. So I'll pick the next one and then you pick the one after that. So I'm going to go Harmon's. What are your tips for Harmon's, which is an incredible account? Harmon's? Yeah, no, it, it's absolutely incredible. And, and they do, they follow the script, right? They have a category review. They look at most categories twice a year. They look at samples, they taste product, cut product. I would say I don't have much to add on the relationship side within those walls just because that's someone on my team that is really good there. But yeah, it's an interesting retailer because in a sense, they compete with Costco, right? So they're looking for unique product that can stand up against everyone in their market. Right. And so they move a lot of volume. But yeah, I would say just playing the game there and following up with those buyers and trying to get meetings and, you know, sending down folks to reset when you actually get in there. That's a thing, right? Like they expect the broker and the vendor community to come and help reset the stores during, you know, let's say a beverage reset. So yeah, that one, stick to the script and follow the category review schedule, submit your paperwork on time and keep showing up. Right. All right. Perfect. Any other retailers you think would be fun to give some tips on? Good question. I mean, we could talk about Thrive. Let's do it. Yeah, Thrive yeah. is awesome, right? When I was at Yai's Tie, right, as the VP of sales, that was one of our earlier accounts that we got on. And we hit it perfectly at when Whole30 was peaking, right? On Thrive's website, on Melissa's you know, social, our brand as well. We were in the spotlight a ton. So we sold, I mean... It was a massive account and probably still is today for the brand. I don't want to talk numbers or anything, but they're great. You know, James and Caleb and Kelly, and and I'm definitely forgetting some folks over there, but they have incredible library of products. They do a great job on private label. They do a great job on marketing and they know who their shopper is, right? So I would say they've switched to RangeMe. So you need to make sure your submission gets in through RangeMe and then you need to you need to get with the CM who manages the you know, the products and you need to convince them to look at the product. I think one thing they do do is they say, hey, send a set of samples to the whole squad, right? Like they're truly like a family, it feels like. So when they give you that thumbs up, don't send it unsolicited. When they give you that thumbs up, the whole team that runs the show as far as category assortment is tasting your product, right? So put some TLC into those samples. Also know that very data-driven now, right? Like they're not brand new anymore. They're making great decisions for their shop and they're maximizing the space they have in their warehouses. So they will look at your data for sure. So knowing what you're going into in that combo, just being prepared to speak to where we're at in the natural channel, where we're at in conventional, what's Whole Foods doing, right? Like they, you know, I I might get in trouble for this, but 
Whole Foods doesn't roll into spins, right? It's a Nielsen account, right? So they can't see what's going on in Whole Foods. So having that in your back pocket of, hey, here's the data story at Whole Foods is important. Yeah, definitely was my experience with Thrive also. And, uh, you know, I think they were always really responsive to me. I, yeah, I love the team over there, Kelly, um, Christine. Yeah, sorry, Christine. I, we give her a shout. Yeah, Christine's awesome. <laughs> Christine's the Christine's best. The best. Yeah, we had the whole crew at our karaoke party also at Expo East last year. They are there. They're a lot of fun. Also, yeah. I definitely see them traveling as a fun team. They gave me really specific feedback when it was too early and said, here's what we are looking for. Yeah. You guys don't necessarily have that yet. And then later we did. And I went back and it was a really great yeah. discussion. And, and they're super engaged with our community. So I, I really appreciate that about them. Yeah. So yeah, I guess on the opposite side of getting into a retailer, I'm just curious, you know, have you been in situations where the brands unfortunately are on the cusp of getting discontinued? Have you seen any brands do something to try to avoid that and kind of keep the relationship going? Or have you seen brands at least manage it well when they when they are getting discontinued and make the most of it? There's nothing good about getting discoed. There's never anything good that comes unless it's just a lose-lose account that you're never going to reach where you want to be with them anyway. But there's really no secrets, right? It, it's do more promos, see if you can get some off-shelf placement. You're not going to get it, though, if you're not doing well. So having maybe boots in the field a little bit, right? If it's in your backyard, might be a good opportunity. I guess I'll say to back up, though, I think there was another question you had that was that was interesting. So like, how do you evolve your brand to win? Right. And, and a lot of that is when you have discos or when you have launches that don't go as planned. I'll, I'll give you a couple of stories. One is a product that we started working with at the very beginning, right? Like, like a long time ago or, well, a few years ago. And we were on board. We were selling their products. We were getting yeses from large natural key players, right? Sprouts, Fresh Town, all, this, all the players. And, but we told them from day one, hey, your product priced way too high. And this sounds very basic, I understand. But the rest of the market is at $29.99. You're at $50 to $55. You need to change it. And they said, yeah, yeah, we'll see. You know, we're, We have it all figured out. We go into a Whole Foods market meeting. Says, this is awesome. Your product is killer. Your mission is great. Put this in a $29.99 tub and I will buy it. And they were like, of course, we want to do that. So anyway, long story short, we hey, this is like what these retailers are really going to be looking for. And it's also going to ensure not only can we get the product in, but can it get off the shelf, right? So like thinking two steps ahead of, you know, I can get it in, I can sell the story, I have a cool mission, I have a great product. How are you going to get it off the shelf, right? And that comes down to all the, I'm not a marketing guy, but the five Ps or whatever, right? It's pricing, it's so on and so forth. But yeah, that's one instance where we you know, said, hey, make a small tweak. Let's make a few different SKUs that are a different size that hit a specific price point, And it ended up being very successful. Right. Got it. Yeah. So pricing, promotions, placement, packaging. I hopefully, the, I mean, the placement often is up to the buyer. So that's usually, that probably would be my go-to if we're going to get kicked off is com to complain about the placement, yeah, the, the right. position and, and how many how many facings we got to try to save that one. But who knows if <laughs> how often that's successful. Aaron, this has been super, super interesting. I'm wondering if you want to shout out maybe any of the brands that you work with as like, hey, here's a perfect example of a brand we can just absolutely crush. They're set up the right way for us and we can come in and just absolutely accelerate their growth. No doubt. So you're saying like a couple of successes we've had or are you saying just in general? Okay. Yeah. I mean, for starters, shout out Paul at Ourobora. I mean, that one was great timing, you know, obviously for him, we helped him, but really it was for us, right? Like it was perfect timing. So that's an awesome brand that's in a, you know, rocket ship going to outer sphere, right? And then uh, Dr. Kellyanne is a big brand that we have in our portfolio today. So it's a bone broth brand that we launched into retail really February 2021. And they have been on a rocket ship. They're getting into every door and they're selling off the shelf. So that has been incredible fun. Shout out to Emily at Little Bucks with her for a while now. And she can tell you her founder story if she hasn't already. She's had a, a crazy roller coaster ride, but we're launching in, in Whole Foods in a month or two nationally. 
And we're super excited about that. I mean, that's the obviously that, you know, sort of the holy grail that most of these founders are looking for. But we've picked up a lot of major key retailers, a lot of conventional retailers along the way that, you know, are a little more premium. So, yeah. So those are just a couple to name a few. Yeah, that's awesome. Those are great. I mean, and Paul especially has been so helpful to our community, just sharing a lot of his lessons along the way about fundraising. And man, he knows a lot about sales. I did a a webinar with him recently and was just really blown away by, I think, not just his ability to to do it and working with you guys and, you know, just obviously getting tons of distribution, but I think also just how thoughtfully he thinks about sales in general and like the early and later uh-huh. stages of a brand. I learned a lot from him. And yes, we did actually just manage to get Emily on the podcast cool. as well. So we'll have an episode dropping, talking all about Little Bucks and her story and even revealing the new flavor that they're launching in January. That's so awesome. I'm really excited about that. Just It's a great product with a really cool story and mission to just get buckwheat out there. Yeah. Um, in yeah. Yeah. So Aaron, I just want to thank you again. I think this has been a super interesting episode. I definitely learned a lot from you. So thank you for sharing your incredible journey and shedding light on the strategies that help brands drive success and you know the ones working with you as well. So just before we go, anything else that you want to mention, any calls to action or any ways for brands to connect with you? Yeah. So I'll start with connect with me. You can hit me up, you know, LinkedIn, or you can send me an email, Aaron at cultivatecpg.com, or shoot me a text, 847-722-8215. I'm here to chat. So is Tommy and our whole gang. I would say call to action is focus on key anchor accounts. That's what Cultivate does. We are, I would say, hyper-focused on opening key retailers with key warehouses. So that's what I would do. That's going to move the needle and bring in real money for you and set yourself up to, you know, really succeed long term, build the foundation. All right, perfect. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of this knowledge with the community and really excited to see you at some of our future events, hopefully our Expo West Alley Rally. Um, For anybody out there who doesn't know about it, it it is a 1000 person bowling party that we throw at Expo West at Bolero nearby. And there are lots of cool backpack brands who are demoing there often for the first time competing to win a booth at next year's expo. So hopefully we will see you there, Aaron. Yes. Just lots. Yeah. Lots of the brands from the community. Looking forward to it, Daniel. Really appreciate you having me on. And yeah, we'll see you in Anaheim in a couple months. All right. And props to you for dropping your phone number directly on the podcast. I think that's the first time somebody's done it, but it's very helpful. So thank you. Yeah. We'll talk soon. I really appreciate it, Daniel. All right. Thank you. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast today, it would really help us out if you can leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. I am Daniel Scharf. I'm the host and founder of Startup CPG. Please feel free to reach out or add me on LinkedIn. If you're a potential sponsor that would like to appear on the podcast, please email partnerships at startupcpg.com. And reminder to all of you out there, we would love to have you join the community. You can sign up at our website, startupcpg.com, to learn about our webinars, events, and Slack channel. If you enjoyed today's music, you can check out my band. It's the Super Fantastics on Spotify Music. On behalf of the entire Startup CPG team, thank you so much for listening and your support. See you next time.